You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Happy New Year, Life Church. It is now officially 2023. New Year's Day, I find, is often this great time of both reflection and dreaming, right? Reflection on the year behind us and dreaming about what's ahead. I love to reflect on the things of the past. So if I'm thinking back on 2022, I like taking time on New Year's Day to consider things like what are the ways that I've grown? What are the things that I've learned this year? Where are the places that I've seen God show up this year? What are the things that in 2022 I'm grateful for? And then I want to think about things like what were the losses that I am experiencing this year? And what are the losses that I still am grieving? Because with every year also comes losses. Or maybe the struggles that I'm working through, the struggles that maybe I've overcome. So this time of reflection is really important to kind of take a look back with the Lord, right? With Him in, a, in that with us. And then I like to take time to reflect, well, think about our church family, right? All the reflections of just in our church family. There are a lot of babies born in 2022. There were people that moved into new homes in 2022. We saw so many answered prayers for people that we prayed for physical healing for. Think of Mark Carver who got new lungs in 2022 and this whole new lease in life. We thank God so much for that. We've had a lot of answered prayers in our church family. We've also had a lot of hardships in our church family. There's been a lot of losses. Many of us have lost family members, Many of us have struggled with health, and it's been a hard time. Losses of expectations of things not going how we planned in 2022. And so each year we experience these highs and these lows. So there's the dreaming, and there's a looking ahead for the new year. What are the hopes that I have for this new year, for 2023 that's ahead for me? What are the things that you're anticipating? What are the improvements that you want to make in your life somehow in 2023? Sometimes we address these things, these hopes and these dreams with New Year's resolutions, right? That's a big tradition in Western culture. And um, I've done that. I've done the New Year's resolution thing. So, of course, there's always the weight loss goals. And I have always great ideas of my nutrition and this new workout plan. And you join a gym. You know, you can never buy gym equipment or get memberships in January because everybody is doing it, right? Well, that's always great. And then two or three months into it, guess what? I'm out of the rhythm. I'm not going to the gym anymore. Sugar becomes my new best friend. And then there's the goal I've had in the past New Year's resolution about reading through the Bible in a year. And so I love Genesis. I love Exodus. These great stories. But gosh, you start to get to Leviticus, (laughs) the laws, right? And the numbers and the lists and the genealogies. And it's like, there goes that goal. And I get off track, at least way behind, right? Don't get it done in a year. And then I'm not a reader by nature. Um, or I haven't been in the past at least. And so I thought one year I'm going to have a New Year's resolution, a modest goal, right, to read two books a month. And I had this great plan that I was going to download Audible as the way to help me do that, right? I can listen to it all the time when I'm walking, when I'm driving. And so uh, I had this great plan. I thought this is the year I'm going to become a reader. Well, guess what? I never even downloaded Audible. Like that New Year's resolution never even got off to a start, right? So they had in the past has not always been a great mode of improvement for me to set New Year's resolutions. So maybe you've set some goals or some resolutions and sometimes they've been helpful. More often in my life they've been 
a source of listing my failures. They've been a source of showing me how I'm not good enough and I'm not making progress in the things that maybe are most important in my life. So we're starting this series today called A Flourishing Life. A Flourishing Life. So what would it look like for 2023 to be a flourishing year for you? When I think of the word flourishing, I imagine in my mind this desert, this dry, barren space, and this beautiful little flower that somehow in the midst of all the sandstorms, the lack of water, the intensive heat, this beautiful flower grows in the midst of this very dreary place. When I see flowers in places like that, it always takes my breath away. I always think, God, look at your beauty in the midst of something that seems like beauty could never exist. And that's what I think about when I think about flourishing. That if we have a flourishing life, that our life becomes this beauty that God has developed out of sandstorms and out of droughts and out of intensities, this beauty that happens that when people look at our lives, they go, look at that. I see somehow the miracle of God. So what would it look like for you to have that kind of a flourishing life this year? We're coming out of this long three-year time of COVID. I don't know that we'll ever be out of it, right? But the intensity of COVID has changed, but depression is still accelerating and our energy is still listless. We can't even get people to be employed to make life work all around us in all of the places that we go to. But maybe we have some very exciting things ahead for 2023. Maybe you have weddings coming up. Maybe you have people in your family that are pregnant and are going to have babies. Maybe you're anticipating a job change. Maybe you're going back to school. Maybe you're going to do some home improvements. 2023 has some positive and exciting things ahead. But we do know that 2023 is going to have some highs and it's going to have some lows. So how do we flourish when both of those things are happening at the same time? How do we be that beautiful desert flower? Maybe coming into 2023, you're feeling weary and you're feeling tired. Maybe honestly, you've lost your zeal for Christ. If you want to be honest, maybe that's how you're feeling. Maybe you've just drifted from his love somehow. Maybe you've spent your time and energy trying to manage your life apart from Jesus, and it's just not working. Maybe you find yourself drowning instead of flourishing or withering up in that intense heat instead of flourishing. So I want to stop here for a minute. I just want to pray, and I want to ask God to join us in this really important conversation because his desire is for us to have a flourishing life. So let's go to him first. Lord, we thank you that our life does not depend on our own efforts, Lord, because we certainly would wither and die. But God, you have so much for us. You love us so much. You want Jesus for us to experience in you the gift of life, that all of our life will flourish regardless of our circumstances, Lord, because you are in it with us. So Lord, I just pray for this um, time that we have to look at your word today and to think about your truths. I just pray that whatever the barriers and the distractions and the obstacles are in each of our lives, that you would set those aside. And Lord, that this next half hour, we could just zero in on you and listening to your word 
and listening to your truth, Lord, and encourage each of our hearts, Father, for what lies ahead. And let this be, Lord, just a stepping stone to launch us into, Lord, a flourishing life for 2023. We love you. Thank you for your presence here with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if God wants a flourishing life for me, and we believe that he does, how do we get there? Well, I would tell you that we live, we live in a flourishing life by living on purpose. We live with intentionality. We hear that word a lot, intentionality. And intention is not a New Year's resolution. There's a difference. See, a New Year's resolution is, we come up with those, or I've come up with those in the past, because I'm trying to solve some kind of problem, usually with my character, usually with my behavior. Solving some kind of problem, it's this very reactive posture to take. So what I want to offer you today is a long-term tool um, that you can use to becoming, to transforming, becoming the person that, who is able to deal with the full spectrum of life, with the highs and with the lows. And this tool that we're going to talk about today is called a rule of life. A rule of life is changing our whole person and transforming us to be more like Christ. And a rule of life is proactive. It's not reactive, like a New Year's resolution might be. So we want to see transformation in, in any part of our life. We're going to have to be intentional about it. It's not going to just happen on its own. In her book, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, which I highly, highly recommend, by the way, she talks about this intentionality and how we're intentional with so many things in our lives. We intentionally plan for retirement. We intentionally pay off debt. We live intentionally with doing home improvements or with furthering our education, with learning. We're intentional about nutrition and exercise. We want to get healthy or stay healthy. All of these things require some kind of a plan, right? If we want to make some progress and achieve what we desire. But Barton says this, and I want you to look at this quote with me. The desire for a way of life that creates space for God's transforming work is no different. Most of us try to shove spiritual transformation into the nooks and crannies of a life that is already unmanageable, rather than being willing to arrange our life for what our heart wants most. We think that somehow we will fall into transformation by accident. I don't know about you, but when I read that quote, I was both convicted and compelled. And if you would, with me, I just would like to look at that quote again one more time. The desire for a way of life that creates space for God's transforming work is no different. Most of us try to shove spiritual transformation into the nooks and crannies of a life that is already unmanageable rather than being willing to arrange our life for what our heart wants most. The question that jumped out to me when I read that is, what does my heart want most? I might say that it's Jesus. Am I, does my life reflect that? Am I living in that way? In Matthew chapter 13, there's two parables that Jesus tells, stories that Jesus tells about people who search long and hard for something very valuable and very special to them. In verse 44, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and then came back and bought the field. Verse 45, again, 
the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, came back and bought it. This kingdom of heaven, it's the activity of God. It's Jesus here in our earth. His Holy Spirit lives with us, fills with us, is here wanting to reign with us and help us be these tools of love and transformation in the world around us. This is the kingdom of heaven. God's goal is that he invites us into this kingdom as his sons and daughters. He wants us to invite other people into the kingdom. He wants to use his kingdom love to change the world and impact the world around us. See in these Matthew 13 parables, these people sold everything they had so they could buy what their hearts longed for most. Are you searching for something deeper, a more flourishing relationship with God? If yes, then the next question I have for you and for myself is how badly do we want it? Are we willing to be intentional because it's work right intention happens because we put the effort into it are we willing to be intentional to ask ourselves the tough questions to do the things that matter most in doing whatever it takes to pursue jesus and his purposes and his kingdom i can guarantee you that god wants to be found by us he is pursuing us Jeremiah 29 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He wants to be found by us. As followers of Jesus and as his children, our hope with each year of life is to become more like Christ, right? To become more transformed, to be like him, to know him deeper, to love him more, to bring his love and his hope to other people around us. You know, the depths of God and his love and his purposes, it's going to take us a lifetime to discover that. We can live a hundred years in this earth and we're still not going to have it all known and understood. We never arrive because God is so deep. And so he wants this. This can be our goal every year. This can be our goal every year to have a deeper, more flourishing relationship with God, despite our circumstances. So the rule of life is an intentional tool that you can use to pursue this flourishing relationship with God. A lot of you, many of you actually, have participated in small groups that we call the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It was two courses, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Relationships. If you went through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality part, you've already been introduced to this idea of a rule of life. I would really encourage you to pull that out. Don't let it just sit there as an activity in a workbook, right? It wasn't intended to be that. It's intended to be a tool that brings transformation. So let's dust it off. Let's think about that today as we're looking at this rule of life. And if you have never heard of a rule of life, then I'm really excited for you because this is an opportunity for you to start something that I believe can be very life-changing. So what is the rule of life? So the rule of life is an ordering of our entire life around spiritual practices and disciplines. That's like super countercultural. It's really foreign to the way that our culture works. So what does that mean? What does that look like? What that means is that we put God above everything else. We put him above family. We put him above work. We put him above sports. We put him above finances. We put him above pleasure. But I'm not talking about a list where it's God at the top and then everything else listed in some kind of priority and order. What I'm talking about is we have our list of all the things that are important to us, and God is over all of it. 
he is above all of it and pours himself into all of it. So the rule of life are practices that help us to keep God over all of those things because our family and our work and our friendships and our church work and our finances, the things we love, are only better as God's above them and in them and through them. So how do we do that? It's an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything. And the rule of life provides guidelines to help us continually remember God as the source of our lives. I don't know about you, but I can forget quick. I can have a great quiet time in the morning and by noon, whew, I'm lost in the task of the day. That's not what God wants. He wants to be in it with us at noon. He wants to be in it with us at dinner time. He wants to be in it with us as we close off our day and go to bed. So a rule of life is going to help us have guidelines to remember those things. So as we do this, as we follow the rule of life, and I'll show you how to do that before we're done here today, our lives hold possibilities for us to be transformed. And that's great, not for us. It's great for our families. It's great for our friendships. It's great for our coworkers. It's great for our communities. And it's great for the purposes of the kingdom of God on this earth. The rule of life is actually a really ancient practice way back in the desert fathers and mothers of the church, way, way, way back. And it comes from a Greek word that means trellis. So I want to really differentiate here. I'm not talking about a rule like a checklist. When I think of rules, I often think of a list of rules hanging on the board, right? In my classroom, in our home, we would have these list of rules. That's not what this is. This rule means a trellis, a trellis that provides support and guidance, something that, that brings life to us, doesn't just have a compartmentalized thing that we're going to check off. Imagine with me a grapevine that's growing up a trellis. By having the support of this trellis, a couple of different things happen. One is that the grapes grow upward and they don't get trampled, right? When those lows come, as we're connected and growing up this trellis, we're not going to get trampled by the things that come along in our life. The second thing is that the grapes are more fruitful. They're more productive because they're growing as they're intended to be. They're not meant to be grown to the ground. We're not meant to be living without God. As we have the support of these practices that keep us in line with God, our lives are more fruitful and more productive. Our big idea today, I want you to go home with this. If you can have this in your mind as you leave today, that the rule of life helps us to abide in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually and flourishing in our lives. John 15, 4 is a passage about the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches in this story. And he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So a good rule of life is going to help us remain connected in Jesus. All of the nutrition and nourishment that's running through that vine is going to pour over into our lives and help us be strong and growing and flourishing and fruitful. So how do I flourish if my life is spinning like a crazy top? Do you ever feel like your life is spinning out of control and we get pulled in so many different directions? How do we want to live so we can be who we want to be and who God intended for us to be. Once we decide that we want to be intentional, the next thing is that we will live a flourishing life by living a slowed down life. By slowing down, 
we allow God's Spirit to have our time and our attention. When he has our time and our attention, guess what? He nourishes us. Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, says this. This means slowing down so Jesus can deeply change us. This must always be our first priority. It also means we must be about slow, deeply transformed discipling of other people. Discipleship is not a quick course that we do or a class that we take. Discipleship is a deep, slow work. All those things are helpful tools, but a true discipleship is this deep, slow work. Simply changing external behaviors and belief systems will never be enough. I saw this great post from Pete on Instagram a few weeks ago, and it said, everything grows from the inside out. Nothing grows from the outside in. See, this rule of life, it provides this external framework for this interior journey to grow from the inside out. During the interior journey means we have to have time to stop. We have to have time to reflect, and we have to have time to focus. It's being proactive, not reactive. God's greatest desire for us is summed up in what we call the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. Learning to love ourselves is an important part of that. The rule of life is going to help us do this. This intentional plan is a combination of spiritual practices that provide structure and direction for us to pay attention and remember God in everything that we do. So we set aside time for a lot of things in our lives. We have rules, we have routines that we follow every day. It's like this framework that we all operate in consciously and unconsciously both. Every morning, for example, we get up, we brush our teeth, we might make some coffee, we might have some breakfast, we might read something, we might do a little bit of exercise, we'll get ready for work. Those are all kind of things that are part of our rules that we have for our life. We do them because we decided they're an important part of how we operate. We also have rules that might include things like attending church on Sunday, participating in a small group, serving in a ministry, tithing, spending 10 to 15 minutes a day in prayer or reading or, or, or maybe in the morning or maybe going before going to bed. However, in spite of all these behavioral attempts, to have spiritual practices, we can still find ourselves spiritually dry, distracted, unfocused, and adrift. My guess is that some of us might feel like that's where we are today. We have, we're doing things, right? We have these behaviors, and yet something just feels like it's adrift, and we still have this dryness. The demands of our culture, they long to direct us. They long to determine the course of our minds, hearts, souls. They long to dictate our time and our energy throughout the day. How often have you said to a friend, hey, how you doing? And the answer you get is, oh, I'm so busy. You wouldn't believe it. And then you get this long litany of all the things that are going on. I've said that and answered questions many times. I've asked that question and have heard that answer so many times. These external expectations of work, they're a real thing, right? Your bosses expect and need you to do certain things. External expectations of family, again, they're real things. External expectations of kids' sporting schedules. Okay, I remember moving to Canton when my kids are 3, 5, 8, and 10 and being told that if we didn't have them in soccer, now we were already behind the eight ball because it would ruin their chances. Like, there's this 
dictation that they have to be starting these very busy, busy things in their life at such a young age. And we lose our time together to sports, right? But that's the expectation, the external expectation. Maybe even church becomes a list of things to do and our hearts get distracted in the process. We're doing them because it's something to do and not because of our heart's desire. Our time gets consumed. We find it even difficult to squeeze in 10 minutes a day with Jesus. You know, you see, our time with Jesus isn't a slot. Remember, it's not something on a checklist. It's not something to compartmentalize and be separate. We want to invite Christ into all that we are, into all of those places, work, family, relationships, pleasure, all those things, that we can love him more, so we can love others more, so we can be better family members, better friends, better workers, better neighbors. A rule of life is this conscious plan keeping God in the center. So in order to do that, it does mean we need to slow down. In our Western culture, this is counter-cultural. We also need to be cautious with our yeses. And can I just give you permission here? It's okay to say no. That was a really hard thing for me to learn because it's not my nature to say no. But not only is it okay to say no, it's important to say no. My friend posted this picture on Instagram this week of a t-shirt and it says, she believed she could, but she needed a break. So she said no. <laughs> I love that shirt. I need to order that shirt. It's okay to say no because everything else can't keep dictating what needs to happen. We got to prayerfully decide what is it? What are the things that we need to say yes to? We ended up saying yes to sports to our kids, but guess what? We said yes to one or two kids at a time, not all four. And we said yes to certain seasons, not every season, because we had to manage somehow keeping this priority of our family together. So learning to say no, it's hard, but so important. So how do I develop a rule of life? Let's get to the nitty gritty here. What does a rule of life look like? Well, it's a list of spiritual practices. I'm just going to briefly touch on this list here today, okay? Um, and we're going to have this stuff accessible to you in a doc that's going to be linked to our presentation here this morning. So there's a lot of spiritual practice. We talk about a lot of them in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class. If you haven't taken that yet, it will be available at some time in 2023. So keep your eyes open for it. But these are some things to consider doing as practices that will keep God in the center of things. Scripture reading or meditation, really important. But I don't want you just to do it as a checkoff list, but to do it to invite God into your day. And maybe don't just do it in the morning, but have a time in the morning when you're just meditating on the word and, and a time later on when maybe you're studying or just reading through a psalm and a time in the evening when you're checking in with God and just thanking him for your day. We'd call this a daily office. It's a time of stopping throughout your day and getting in the word. And it might be study, but not always. It might just be reading a short passage and thinking, Lord, what are you inviting me to in this passage? There's lots of ways to read scripture. It might be silence. Silence is very counterintuitive for us extroverts, right? It is for me. It's been a long, hard years of learning how to be silent to a point that it's fulfilling and so fruitful and now a really important part of life. Silence is being in the presence of God with no agenda, just being with him, not doing anything for him, just being with him. Don't you love just being with your spouse or holding your grandchild or having time with a friend where there's no one talking, you're just being together. God longs for that with us, these times of silence. Maybe solitude, 
Maybe you need some time away on a regular basis, whatever that might be for you, monthly, quarterly, annually, some time to get away and just be alone with God. Maybe studying or learning, being part of a group where you can learn more about the depths of God's word and, and do scripture for a deeper understanding of it. That's important, just as meditation and God's invitations are important. Then there's the Sabbath, really important practice. It's the one day a week that you set aside time not to work at all. Can I tell you this commandment in the Ten Commandments has more explanation to it than any other commandment that's listed there? Because God longs for us to have rest. He made us to have rest. He rested on the seventh day after creation. So Sabbath is a day for rest and delight for all those things he put in our hearts that we love to do and for time with him. Then there's simplicity. That's a beautiful spiritual practice. Getting rid of the clutter in our lives, the things that distract us from God. Play and recreation are good spiritual practices. The Lord wants you to enjoy this body he's made you for. Do things that you love. You put those things in your heart. Do them. Service and mission, bringing his love to people around us. How fulfilling is that? Physical care, that's a good spiritual practice. Our bodies belong to the Lord. Take care of them so we can serve him in strength as long as we possibly can. Emotional health, we talk a lot about this at Life Church Livonia. Doing things that help us to become stronger and better. We all have junk in our trunk, right? We all have things that have happened in our lives growing up that may have done some damage emotionally. And we got to let God come in and restore those things. Family, super important spiritual practice. How do we do family? How do we prioritize family? We'll talk about that more in a minute. Community, being together with other people, doing life together. That's a huge value for us here at Life Church Livonia. How to do life together. Don't just show up on Sunday mornings, but doing life together. Hospitality, fasting, prayer. There's so many things that are examples of what this is. So again, you can talk about all these things in, in depth and emotionally healthy spirituality, but I at least want you to take a look at this list. And if you're new to this, I don't want you to get overwhelmed by this list. I don't want you to get intimidated by this list. I want you to say, I don't even know what half of those things are on that list. I want you just to think about what's one or two things on that list that I might want to try here in 2023 that can set up some framework for me to be growing. A couple of things to keep in mind as you do these things. The first one is your rule of life is going to be very personal. Yours will not be like mine. It will not be like your friends. It will not be like your partners. Your rule of life will be personal to you. There's a lot of things that affect that. Your personality type is different from anybody else's around you. Your season of life might look different than anybody else around you. The sin patterns you're contending with might have a lot to do with your rule of life. For example, if you're prone to gossip and it's really hard for you not to be talking about other people, God might want you to learn to practice the, the practice of silence, learning how to stop and say, okay, Lord, I just got to stop and be in your presence and give these thoughts to you. That's counterintuitive, but something he will do to stretch you. Or maybe you're prone to overworking. God might call you to a practice of Sabbath. It might be so hard to stop, but yet if you do, there's so much richness that the Lord has for you there. And he might want to let you have some chance to rest. So that pay attention to the places where God might want to stretch you. Those are good things to do. Your rule of life should also be realistic. That's the second thing. Don't set goals and rules that aren't going to um, happen. Like I, I would set these New Year's resolutions that were just like 
you know, a hot pie in the sky, right? So do some things that you think, yeah, I, I think I can do this. And set it for one or two or three months and then revisit it again, okay? Make sure that it's realistic. You know, someone who is a parent with young children is not going to have the same kind of goals as someone who's retired, right? The practices are going to look different, so be realistic. Here's a really important quote from Ruth Haley Barton, and I want you to listen to this with me and read it with me. One of the great temptations of the spiritual life is to believe that if I were in another season of life, I could be more spiritual. The truth is that spiritual transformation takes place as we embrace the challenges and the opportunities associated with each season of our life. Our expectations about ordering our life during different seasons need to take into account what's real and what can't be changed. Otherwise, we set ourselves up for frustration and failure. Be compassionate with yourself because God is compassionate with you. An effective uh, spiritual practice also has to be balanced. We've got to do the things that are going to come easily for us. Do some things that you know, this sounds great. I would love to do that. And you know that you can do it. And do some things that might be a little more stretching. Extroverts, you might need to practice silence and solitude. That was hard for me. Introverts, you might need to engage in um, community or service. You know, do the things that might be a little stretching. With this balanced approach to spiritual disciplines, we're going to develop these weaker parts of our life. And as we develop the weaker parts of our life, guess what? When those sandstorms come, we're not going to wither up and die. We're going to have strength because we developed the things that needed to be developed. And lastly, I just want to tell you to be flexible. Avoid legalism. This is not a legalistic thing. This is not a rigid thing to be, long, to, to be grabbing onto. Jesus tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if you're doing something that doesn't feel doable with God, then maybe it's a chance to re rearrange what it is that you're choosing to do. This is a fluid living document. So do it. Just give it your best effort and let God help you develop it as you go along. So as many ways to set up a rule of life, we have put in a link um, a document that you can use that has this quadrants, four quadrants, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's use the great commandment as our um, structure for how we're going to do it. So let's think about heart. Of the things that I had on that list, what kind of things would fit into the heart quadrant? Well, maybe it's these things. What about family relationships? They're part of our heart, right? So incorporating some rule of life practices into family relationships might look like things like slowing down for family dinner most nights during the week or slowing down for a one family night a week that's just for you and your family. And you don't share it with sport practices. You don't share it with music practices. You don't share it by having friends over for dinner. You don't let anybody else in this time. It's just time for you and your family to connect together. If you're married, Maybe a family practice that's a heart spiritual rhythm is a date night. This intentional, slowed down time to connect with the person who means the most to you. Maybe in your family, a spiritual practice for heart might be doing family devotions together or praying together. Pray with your partner in the morning or pray with your kids before they leave for school. Pray as things come up during the day with your family and you find that there's a need. Say, hey, you guys, let's pray about this for this person. And your kids get to watch God be at work. Those are slowed down practices in the family part, which would be a good thing under that heart section. Another thing under the heart section might be friendships. Make time for friendships. We need them. 
Another thing under the heart section might be something in the areas of emotional health. Emotional health might be learning to express your emotions, maybe learning to journal and think about some of those things. Maybe it's going to support group or therapy if you need it. I think therapy is awesome. People need therapy and spiritual direction. I think everybody should be doing that. It helps you to have emotional health in your life. And maybe community is another part of emotional health. Having other people to enjoy life with, to do life together. Okay, there's some ideas for the heart quadrant. Then there's the soul quadrant. The soul quadrant might be attending church more regularly, right? Post-COVID, we're all trying to figure out that rhythm of church in our life. I know it's really nice watching church on your couch in your pajamas. I get it. I loved that too. But you know what? It never replaces community and doing life together and learning together and worshiping together. God didn't make us to be consumers of church. He made us to be contributors of church. He, there's so much that gets lost if we just consume. There's so much that's gained and we contribute to being in the family of God together. Whereas family, so maybe this year you might just increase your church attendance a little bit and let yourself become more engaged in the family that God has for you here. Uh, maybe another soul part might be incorporating some kind of a daily office into your life. Having a couple of times throughout the day, the morning, the afternoon, and before bed, they just check in with God and say, Lord, where do I see you working around me? Maybe just taking five minutes to pray. Maybe five minutes to read a scripture, just to reconnect with the Lord in the middle of your day, at the end of your day. Maybe practicing silence or solitude we talked about, or Sabbath, doing it weekly or monthly. These are all things that can fit into the soul part. We have a link also in the notes here for Devo cards that we use at Life Church Livonia that Alex designed. That's a great tool to help you. If you're saying, how do I have devotions? What does that look like? Download this Devo card and use it as a great tool. A mind quadrant might look like, what's a new practice that you might want to learn? What's something that you want to read and learn about this year? Maybe you're going to take a class. It's not always spiritual stuff, but maybe you have a desire to learn how to do pottery because that's something you've always wanted to do and God created you with an interest in that. Do it. Take a class. Maybe the mind might be doing some service or mission that you're really going to put yourself into. And then strength. The strength quadrant might be things like the physical parts, taking care of our body that's given to us by God because this is his, right? We're his vessel. We want to do exercise, nutrition, rest, sleep. A lot of us are lacking that. Fasting, playing, recreation, all those things could be things to consider thinking about for the physical quadrant, the strength quadrant. So I want you to choose one thing to put in each one of those quadrants. And you'll see these as you, there's a number of documents in the link. Um, I want you to pull these up and look at them and take some time maybe on New Year's Day or the day after today or tomorrow and say, Lord, what's something I can try in each one of these quadrants? So just to wrap it up, so we move toward a flourishing life by being intentional, by being willing to arrange our life around what our heart wants most, a deeply rooted relationship with Jesus. So being intentional. The second thing is by living a slowed down life to give the kingdom of God the right priorities being at the center of everything that we do. And the third thing is to develop spiritual practices, heart, soul, mind, and strength. One thing in each area that you might want to do this year in 2023. And I guarantee you, as we give these things to God, as we discern with God, what are the things that he would have for us to do with all of our uniqueness of who each of us are, I promise he will show up and flourish our lives in 2023. So when those sandstorms come, 
They're not going to blow us over. The heat's not going to wither us. The lack of water is not going to dry us out because we're going to be sustained and flourished by God who is over all of these things. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we're just thankful that you pursue us, you love us so deeply, you want to engage with us, Lord. And I just pray that as we consider these areas of our life, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, Lord, how to love you with all those things, that you would reveal to each one of us, Lord, what is the one thing that you might want us to try to do new, Lord, in our relationship with you, to go deeper with you, Lord. So this, this rule of life, this trellis, it provides strength and guidance and fortitude, Lord, so that whatever comes in these desert times of our life, Lord, um, will not dry us up, will not wither us, Lord, but will stand strong. And maybe some of you have never even entered into this relationship with God. He's been pursuing you and he's longing for you to engage in what he has, his fullness, flourishing of life with you. Can I just invite you to pray with me right now? Lord, I just, I hear this and I see this and I think, I know I need God in my life. And I confess to you, Lord, that I've, I've not been able to do it on my own. And it's been a series of emptiness and um, difficulty. And um, God, you just have so much more. You long for me to flourish. And Lord, you long to be in it with me. And so, Jesus, I just give you my life. I give you 2023 and I give you the years beyond. And I ask, Lord, that you would help me to focus on to make my heart want you most. And Lord, I pray that for all of us, that our hearts would want you most, and we'd invite you into the fullness of all that we are. We thank you, Lord, for meeting each of us where we are today. Help us to take steps closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.